when my wife and I first decided to start a small little church called The Ark, a church for all people and a mission with all creation, one of the things we agreed upon is that our vision for the church would be that people would come to the church and experience the presence of God. They would have a sense that God was with them and for them. And we really needed a sense of God's presence with us because this represented a pretty big change in our life, a big leap of faith for multiple reasons, including the fact that we had changed theology to a certain extent. We were in wonderful churches that were theologically conservative, conservative on issues of sexuality. So they would have taught and proclaimed that homosexual sex acts were inherently sinful. Whereas my wife and I, after much study and prayer and worship and conversations between the two of us, came to believe that homosexual sex acts could be as sacred or profane as heterosexual sex acts. That is, it depended on the context. And that LGBTQ personhood was a beautiful reflection of God's diversity. Coming to that theological position meant potentially severing ties with institutions that were really important to us, and if not losing friendships, at least losing steady contact with friends and mentors who had been really important to us. So we turned to our best mutual friend, who for the sake of anonymity I will call Elizabeth. And when we shared our vision with Elizabeth, she was thrilled. Not only was she thrilled, but she wanted to be a part of it. So I asked Elizabeth if she would consider being our pastor of creativity and creation care, and she was on board. But after we shared this vision, Elizabeth faced unbelievably dispiriting events in her life and fell into depression. I did not discern how dark that depression was. We had our first vision launching meeting for the ARC and Elizabeth was there and she wrote me after saying that she was excited for the next chapter, but a week later she died by suicide. And since we had been asking for God's presence, for a sense that God was with us and for us, this was beyond dispiriting. This was uh, a blindsiding event. This was disorienting. Uh, and I didn't know exactly what to do. We didn't know how to regroup. I certainly did not know how or where to go from here. So in that sense, I was like Moses. Moses, who was in a discouraging position, who had had basically a huge perceived failure in his ministry. I felt so much regret that I hadn't realized how deep uh, and dark Elizabeth's depression was, that I hadn't found the right words to say to encourage her or found the right connections for her to find help. I, I felt regret and I felt failure. And it seems that that is what Moses is feeling in our reading for today. Moses had been on the mountain with God, experiencing God's presence, God laying out loving instructions for God's people, but God's people had become impatient and they were uncomfortable with the uncertainty. They decided to make a more tangible God, a God they could see and feel in this tactile way, 
who they knew they would have unmistakable assurance that this God is with us and for us because this God we can see and is right here with us. So they made this golden calf and honored this golden calf instead of honoring the invisible loving God. They wanted certainty and this angered Moses. He was extraordinarily distraught. So I wasn't so much angry as I was distraught and discouraged. Moses is both distraught and discouraged and also extremely angry with God's people. And Moses goes to God and he is trying to regroup just as after my friend's suicide, we were trying to regroup as a small little community who had sought the presence of God. And this is what Moses wants assurance of. If we're going to continue now, having had this terrible event, we need to know, God, that your presence will be with us. So this is Exodus uh, chapter 33. Exodus is a book in what uh, Christians often call the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible. And it's chapter 33, and we're beginning in verse 12. They've just had this incident of God's people deciding they couldn't live with the uncertainty. They were impatient. They wanted a visible, tangible God that they could worship and who would guide them and give them strength. And they make this golden calf. And Moses is infuriated and discouraged. And he's now trying to pick up and move on. Moses said to the Lord, See, you have said to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. And I was asking those kinds of questions. I had really felt like there were signs that God had been leading us, and that God was giving us favor, uh, and that God knew us. God knew our particular identities, and God was going to use us for God's purposes. And this is what Moses, Moses is recounting these things that he thought that he knew. And you've said, God, that I know you by name and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, if I have found favor in your sight, show me your ways so that I may know you and find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. He said, that is God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, that is, Moses said to God, if your presence will not go, do not carry us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, unless you go with us? Moses wants that promise reiterated. Moses wants assurance that God's presence will not only be with them, but they will experience God's presence, will know this favor, this sense of being their names even being known, that God loves them in a very particular kind of way. And he said to him, if your presence will not go, do not carry us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, unless you go with us? In this way, we shall be distinct, I and your people, from every people on the face of the earth. And that's what we wanted for the church, was for people to experience the presence of God in our community. The Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, show me your glory, I pray. And he said, I will make all goodness pass before you. That is, God is saying to Moses, I will make all goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you the name the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, 
You cannot see my face, for no one shall see me and live. And the Lord continued, See, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you'll see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This reminds us of if you are a Christian and you read not only what Christians call the Old Testament, but also the New Testament, this probably calls to mind another passage much later in the Bible. So we're talking about a passage that comes right here. Let's go all the way here to the New Testament, where we also see this talk of the face of God and of knowing. Remember, God's people want certainty. Uh, Moses wants some certainty. God assures and reassures Moses that indeed my presence will go with you. Indeed, you found favor in my sight. Indeed, I know you by name, but I can't give you complete certainty. That is, you cannot see my face and know everything. You wouldn't even survive that. Paul picks up on the same kind of concept in the New Testament and in 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. So Paul's acknowledging what Moses learned. You're not going to have full certainty in this life. You are not always going to understand why the terrible events that are befalling you right now, uh, why you're experiencing that misfortune. We're not going to always understand why God allows really seemingly bad things ha to happen to seemingly good people, or why there's innocent suffering in this world. We are not going to have all the answers. We're not going to have that full knowledge. We are seeing into a mirror, but an ancient kind of mirror that's dim, that is not really clear. But there's going to come a time when we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, Paul says. So it's a recognition that this is a walk of faith and not by sight. That our lives in trusting God and trusting in God's presence for us is a walk of faith that involves not knowing with complete certainty why things are transpiring in our lives. Now I know only in part, Paul says, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. So what remains? What remains for us in this time of not knowing with certainty? If we don't get that full disclosure from God about why things are happening the way they're happening in our lives, what do we get? Well, let me tell you what happened uh, after my friend Elizabeth's suicide. At her funeral, one of her best friends from youth talked about the time that they had snuck out together and gone to their first concert together. It was a concert by a band that I love, a band that was very popular in the 90s, but continues to make terrific music, and that is Toad the Wet Sprocket. So it turned out that a, a few months after that funeral, Toad the Wet Sprocket was coming to Dallas, Texas, and the Ark, we are here in Fort Worth, Texas. So we decided to go see Toad the Wet Sprocket. And by coincidence, 
that night. Obviously, I was thinking a lot about my friend Elizabeth. My wife was thinking about uh, our friend Elizabeth, who had uh, we learned at the funeral had gone to see Toad the Wet Sprocket. And by coincidence, another friend had been going through one of Elizabeth's journals, and she found a reference to the Ark in that journal. And there was a specific line that Elizabeth wrote that I'd like to read to you and that my friend sent us. So she, on the day that we were going to see Toad the Wet Sprocket, by complete coincidence, this friend, not even knowing we were going to the concert, sent us this entry from this journal from Elizabeth where, they, where she had mentioned the Ark, had mentioned us by name, and said the following about being an arrow. Let me be an arrow, Lord. Let me welcome your children who have been turned from every other place to know your great, expansive heart for them. Let me be an arrow. And I was thinking about that line. I was thinking about Elizabeth, thinking about the prayer to be an arrow, to welcome people who have been turned and marginalized in other places so that they could experience the presence of God for them. And I was thinking about that during the concert, throughout the concert. In fact, there were lots of emotions that bubbled up during the concert. The next day, I decided to make a Toad the Wet Sprocket CD. So go old school and make a mixed uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket CD. And I got out a big CD binder and I opened the CD binder to get out my old Toad the Wet Sprocket CDs and out of that binder fell this stationery that at some point I or my wife had put in that CD binder, but neither of us remembers doing it. So this is the day after we get this um, screenshot of Elizabeth's journal entry talking about a prayer to be an arrow and welcoming people into the presence of God, especially people who had been excluded from the presence of God in some cases. And here I am making the CD the very next day and what pops out it's stationary that says, follow your arrow. And I shared about those events this week because I'm a hospital chaplain resident, which means in addition to doing clinical work and seeing patients on various floors in the hospital, we also have some training sessions on some days of the week. And there was a training session this week where we were asked to bring in three works of art that were important to us and symbolize something important in, in our ministries. So I brought in a song from Toad the Wet Sprocket. I told the story of Elizabeth writing this in her journal about being an arrow and its connection to the ark. And the next day when making, trying to make this CD, out pops this stationery that says, follow your arrow, which seemed like a sign of God's presence with me, a sign of God's presence with us. Sometimes I like to refer to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost, as some churches do. Because this idea that God is present with us, and it's not always visible, we don't always know where God is or what God is doing, but sometimes we get these merciful signs of God's invisible presence moving something in this visible world. And that's what it was. It was like a, an assurance to me. The day after I shared about this, prayer of the arrow and about the stationary that had follow your arrow uh, fall out of, of that CD binder, a friend of my wife, my wife 
sent her a song called Follow Your Arrow the day after I shared this, not knowing anything about that. The Holy Ghost. So I said, what are we left with? If we're not left with certainty, if we're not left with a complete understanding of what God is doing in our lives, of why events are unfolding the way that, that they are, what does God leave us with in this interim period until we can see God face to face? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, reading in verse 13. So 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Here's what remains in the midst of our uncertainty, in the midst of our discouragement, in the midst of our disappointment. This is what remains. And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these is love. We don't get certainty. What we get is faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. One of the absolute privileges I have as a hospital chaplain is being welcomed into the presence of families when their loved ones are dying. And some families will call me to come to their hospital uh, room and to pray at the bedside. And often what I'll do before praying is I'll ask for people in the room to share memories of the person that I'm going to be praying for so that I can get to know them before the prayer. And I've had so many instances of talking with husbands of, of wives who were dying. And uh, I got to talk to a husband who had been with his wife. They started dating as teenagers, so he'd been with her for 67 years. Love, I could see in his tears. I could see as his face radiated joy as he recounted memories that they had shared together. Love abides. Love abides in the midst of storms. Love abides in the midst of uncertainty. Faith, hope, and love, they're all here. They're what we get. But the greatest of them is love. May the Holy Ghost show up in your life this week. May you have a sense of God's presence with you and for you. The favor of God resting upon you. God knowing you by name, knowing the particularity of your circumstances. And welcoming you like Moses to come with boldness to the throne room of God and praying for things to change, praying for God's presence to be tangibly and noticeably with you. And that's what I pray for you, is that the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would be upon you and would remain in loving presence with you forever. Amen.